Welcome to the Naked Podcaster today. I would like to welcome Laura Staley. Laura, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> Your website is called cherishyourworld.com. And I want to jump in and really talk. You have, it's very clean and clear, but I really want to talk about what that means to you and everything that that entails. So jump in. Okay, uh, for me, Cherish Your World is cherishing your heart, your inner world, and your outer physical space. So I've, I trained and certified with the Western School of Feng Shui. Uh, I, I got excited about that after a finished basement flood and I, I flooded and I had this, um, um, met with a relative at the time who showed me a book and I opened it up and, and it said, because she was all excited, I, feng shui, feng chop suey, what is this, <laughs> right? And I just, I opened the book and it said, live with belongings that you love. And I was like, what? It's stuff. And, <laughs> but I was intrigued and I sucked down the whole book. I, I found it fascinating. She said, just take it, I'll get another copy. I walk back into my house, the first floor, and I look around and I see hand-me-downs that I loathe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, whoa. And then I looked at my life and I thought, oh my God, do I have a hand-me-down life? Like, who am I? And, uh, and it was that awakening to this permission to live with belongings that I loved, that I found my voice, <laughs> I found my heart, I found a passion for a lifetime, and in a way to serve other people. And about four years later, I, I trained and certified with the, the Western School of Feng Shui. And I love, 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 I love um, asking people questions about the quality of their life, and then about what's happening in their physical spaces. I think my favorite clients have been homeowners or apartment dwellers or condo dwellers, right? So I'm in there in that sacred space and asking those questions of tell me about the picture, tell me about these belongings, and tell me about what's happening in your life. And, and often, Jen, I'm just giving people permission because I'm listening deeply to how they're answering those questions. And they're saying, oh my gosh, that picture on the wall, I cannot stand it. I have had it up for 10 years and it, it gives me the creeps and la 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 la. And then they tell me the whole story and I'm like, oh, permission, right? I'm just, I'm like this magic wand lady and, and just giving people permission to take the picture down. It's okay, find a family member who loves it. Find somebody who actually resonates with that picture. You deserve to have belongings in your space that support you, that nourish you, that inspire your, you. And then, you know, and then look at your life. I mean, are you in relationships that are nurturing and supportive and high quality and self-aware and growing and evolving? Or are they dragging you down or making you sick or, you know, you're making yourself sick or, you know, right? Or the activities that are soul-sucking. And what's happening in your inner world, right? Have you resolved all the grief in your heart? Because I will tell you time and time again, I walk into people's spaces and it's a metaphor for what's happening here inside of them and in their lives. 
So, and, 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 you know, like the shame, the embarrassment, you know, like I, and I, I, I hold so much compassion, right? Because, you know, I got my stories of my own, my own journey to, to the, this world of, 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 um, of feng shui, of, of, of making that connection that everything is connected. And can I empower those connections? So can I support this person in empowering their connections to their belongings and let go of the clutter? all the different forms of clutter, the unloved ones, the artifacts of unfinished business, the wandering nomads, the, um, the just too much that's choking them, right? That just, they can't even walk in the room, the junk room, right? They, they open the door and things start, you know, literally falling on, on, or a closet, right? And the boxes start tumbling out of the closet and they're like, you should have gonna show me, you know, or the cabinets in the kitchen, right? And, and a lot of times we're, we're hide, you know, like we're hiding our grief, we're hiding our pain, we're hiding whatever is unresolved in our physical space, and we're hiding it somewhere in our bodies. And so the permission to do both and, but start where you can start, right? If it's one drawer, if it's one belonging, oh my gosh, right? And then there are these treasures. I mean, I remember talking to this gentleman who had, um, went traveled and he'd get these treasures and he put them in the bathroom that he never used and i looked at him and i said okay i got it and what treasure inside of you are you hiding from the world that the world would just adore and cherish and he was like how'd you know <laughs> and it's just like he felt found out right by that 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 deeper question um, yes, do I, do I have ideas about placement and arrangement? Absolutely. There's this deep 3,000-year-old wisdom. But more important to me are a client or a workshop participants, their tastes, their preferences. What do you love? Uh, so like I'm looking at the backdrop of here, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, reds and blacks and the flowers, you know, and I'm like, just intuitively, or I'll even notice what somebody's wearing and I'll be like, they're, they're in blue or they're in black or, you know, because the different colors represent the elements, you know, that are out in nature. So it's all about nature. Ultimately, uh, feng shui comes from our relationship to the natural world. So water, the trees, the sunshine, all of those things. And can we bring those into our physical spaces that we've created to uh, uh, create harmony, to create safety, comfort, and flow, and balance? And then begin to uh, find that dynamic equilibrium, right? Because like right now, my table isn't impeccable here in my office. I mean, to some people it would look impeccable, right? But to me, you know, I'm like, okay, everything's not cleared off. Um, but to find that sweet spot for you, where your space inspires you, you want to be in your office doing what you love. You want to be in the kitchen cooking a meal for your family. You, um, you want to be in the living room, connecting with people and laughing and telling hilarious stories and, and, and eating delicious food, right? Or having people bring their potluck and, and, and you know, it's about enjoying life. It's about savoring the preciousness of this life. And it's not, it's not a one and done. 
it's not like, oh, okay, you clear all the clutter and now it doesn't somehow <laughs> sneak back into your space, right? The, the stuff still comes in the mail, you know? Some people have uh, spouses who are still clicking the, you know, whatever, the internet and boxes keep arriving and they're like, why do we need this? And I'm trying to clear, and, you know? So I, I know that, the, that that physical things can create tension in a, in a, in a couple um, that can create dynamics for an entire family. I mean, like it can get, it can get really loop-de-loo. <laughs> but I'm, I'm there to encourage and listen compassionately and encourage that, that, that freedom and that breath of fresh air for, for people. Um, and I have, I have written three books. So I know there's Let Go Courageously and Live With Love, Transform Your Life with Feng Shui. I love this. This is stories with gentle suggestions at the end. So for people who really, really know that their thing is to let go. Wow. And, and it takes courage. It really does. You know, we can get so grippy, grippy with things, grippy with experiences. Oh, you know, I only want the good. And, you know, and, and you know, when we make fists, we leave nail marks we can if we're gripping so tightly we leave nail marks in our hands then there's the hundred the gift book of a uh, cherishable gift book a hundred tips to enhance your home and life and like i'll read one really quick here um speak from your heart oh so perfect when people live and speak from their hearts it transforms their relationships and the quality of their lives when people ask us to point to ourselves none of us point to our foreheads we point to our hearts that's who we are. You can live from your heart, acting and thinking in ways that align with who you are at the deepest level. And in addition to kind of like um, uh, emotional life quality, life tips, there are also ones like release gently used furniture. Uh, so they're, they're practical uh, tips in this book. And then of course, uh, live inspired. <laughs> which is a self, this is, this book is about self-discovery. Yes, it includes feng shui, but it's not direct. It's, it's really, really stories about discovering who we are so we can live from our passion, even when it's hard, that we, we can love and grieve and get up the next day and, um, you know, do the next love inspired action. Uh, I'm really, really proud of this book. Um, this launched April 27th, uh, 2020, a soft launch on March 30th. I had no idea a pandemic <laughs> would hit at the same time that this book would launch, but I believe it really could help people and give them some hope and inspiration, uh, literally. Um, I've lived through hard things, and um, I, I, I share about that, but I, but I share the wisdom. I have reflections and wishes for the reader. Um, so for instance, I'll, re I'll read one of the wishes for the reader from this. So this one is the practice of patience. That's the chapter, oh, <laughs> who couldn't use some patience, right? <laughs> um, may you find the flow among action, introspection, and deliberate application in your learning process. May you allow others to learn new skills in their time and their way. May you discover patience as a refreshing practice, a way to live your life. You know, th some things, Jen, just have to percolate. They just do. <laughs> That's something that I've learned. I'm thinking, what else would I want to share about Cherish Your World? So Cherish Your World, to me, 
is about, again, it's about cherishing this, you know, your, your body, your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, your purpose, your vision, your passion, what you love. It's like Mary Oliver talks about, uh, let the small, the, the soft body of your animal love what it loves from the poem, Wild Geese. Oh, I just love that line. And so often we think we got to suffer and maybe we just don't. Or if the suffering comes, okay, you know, and flow it through and grieve and uh, maybe be a little crunchy, but then, oh, you know, keep that heart open. Just keep it flowing through. Just keep it flowing through. Um, wow. <laughs> Where, what, what, oh yeah. So this heart, body, mind, soul, physical space and your life. So I'm about holistic transformation, healing and transformation and start where you can start, right? And my whole life is unrecognizable as it makes me tear up. <laughs> um, my life right now is unrecognizable because of all the different small and large actions I've taken with in all those containers with relationships with my thoughts with my emotional blah with my body with my physical belongings uh um with the activities boy did i get rid of the distractions oh my gosh i let go let go let go and i let go some more and and so much of my own journey has really been about uh, letting go and then and then seeing what's there in the empty spaces that I can fill up with love and heart and joy and um, contribution so it honestly is such an honor to be in this conversation with you I love who I I love who I am <laughs> I love um, what I bring to the world, and um, it's been quite a, journey, quite a journey to get to this place and space. So I, I live in the gorgeous mountains of North Carolina um, with uh, the healthiest and most self-aware love relationship I've ever had in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm vibrantly alive, and every day is a precious gift. So... I think I think I hit the highlights. <laughs> I know. If you have questions, ask me. Because I, I usually don't talk almost at all, or I try to talk very little about myself, but we went on a minimalism journey over five years ago. And this, so I want you to relate this. I think this is a good example. <laughs> Same week, because I felt good about the house and what we owned, except... I also dreaded driving home from my corporate job at the time because I knew there'd be a tornado waiting and I'd have to clean up the house and figure it out. So that was happening, which is, I think a lot of times people are saying two things that are very conflicting, but believing them both. And I believed I liked my house and my belongings. And I also believed that I was, it was a nightmare to get home and have to put everything back together. And um, I had a friend come over and she walked in and I was so happy that she came over and she said, wow, you just have a lot of stuff. And I could tell she was uncomfortable in my house and it wasn't like hoarders or anything like that, but it, it made my heart sad that 
someone on the outside looked at this and she saw the chaos side of me that I felt. And my husband said to me, all like in the same week, sometimes I don't know how to help clean the house with you because we both worked, so both split chores. And he's like, I just, I'm overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. And I was like, that's it. We're going to, in my mind, I was going to donate and organize, which is where people start, right? Right. Right. But sometimes it's forced. And sometimes, I mean, in your situation, you were like, well, since we're getting rid of everything, let's let's keep it going. (laughs) So true. Minimalists now for over five years, like I said. And what I did not expect, and I want people to know this because you have said it, so I want to reiterate this, is that it affected my, what was in my email. It affected what came in my mail. It affected who my friends were, what showed up on my social media feed. It spilled over into areas. It was like, yeah, I got rid of physical stuff and donated it and kept what brought us joy and made us happy that we used and loved, right? You whittle it down. Yeah. Yeah. It was so much bigger than that. And when people start this journey of minimalism, well, you just want to feel good in the living room today. Like, let's just do the living room. That's where I started because it was the room that needed the least amount of work. So let's just start here and get it to where when we walk in, we're like, oh, it feels so good to be in this room. <laughs> I started with one of the easiest. And, uh, and then I did closets because you can shut them. If you're not done, you can shut them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can get back to it later. Because right. it's a process. And I had no idea, and it wouldn't have even made sense if you had said it to me, like, this is going to change your life internally. This is going to change your inbox. Mm, right (laughs) talking about it's gonna change my email subscriptions oh my gosh i'm like the unsubscribe queen now because you you realize you just have no tolerance for those things that don't bring you joy and satisfaction and feed you in some way so i am so excited that that's what you do i just i mean i saw feng shui and i was like oh cool she'll show me how to put my background (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) different than like minimizing and streamlining it's so much bigger right right exciting yeah it is people who are considering this journey of they're stressed in their house and they realize it's stuff or something hanging on the wall that they didn't like the interesting thing is you'll realize what you have that you absolutely love too yeah yeah that's so fantastic so I, yes, yes. How wonderful. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I love that story. I love that story so much. Uh, well, and I, I, I applaud you. <laughs> well, that, that it, you know, like, like so many things, sometimes it takes a, that first step of your living room and then all of a sudden that deeper awareness of, wow, there's something in the inbox in the inner world that's starting to shift <laughs> for my life. And what a, what a, what a liberation, what a, yeah, it's done. It's such profound, deep work. Oh my gosh. It, it, and it, and it's exciting for the, for those who are receptive and ready. It, it, it it's especially exciting, you know, and sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back you know, and to have compassion for ourselves. It's okay. Not supposed to get there tomorrow. (laughs) Practice. Practice is big. 
took three months and then we found out we were going to move and we had two months to move. And I was so thankful we had had three months because we got so much done in that three months. And I decided, I mean, we looked at each other. I'm like, I'm not moving anything I don't want. Right. I'm not packing it in a box and unpacking ever again something that I don't want. And that was a shift that got us like the fire lit. If you think about it that way, like you're carrying this stuff with you. And that's the emotional baggage, the carrying it with you. Yeah. And you do have to be kind. I, there was a point when I, we were ready to get rid of something and I was standing, it was mine, something of mine that was personal. And I started to cry. And Dane said, why are you crying? And I said, I hang on to this for this reason that maybe my kids will use it someday, but it's hard for me to let go of because it represents uh, my feelings of failure because it was my wedding dress. Wow. Right? Wow. And he was like, then just set it to the side and leave it there for a week or two. It's not, you don't need to ever get rid of it, but I'm like, oh no, it's going today. But you start to realize, like, why am I carrying this archived wedding dress from a marriage that failed? Oh, maybe one of my daughters will want to use something out of it. And like, no, I kept it. It was like a punishment to myself of a representation of how I had failed. And that's the stuff that people are like, what? You, I would have told you you were out of your mind if you had said you're hanging on to that because of this reason. No. (laughs) (laughs) literally unpack your baggage mm-hmm. oh. now you help people unpack their baggage absolutely absolutely and it's, and, it's a, and it's an honor and a privilege as they process through yeah yeah that's because yeah. the, 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 the because the emotional work it's so profound you know it's the person sitting there with you know broken up with the the boyfriend, you know, and yet, you know, looking to opening the box and okay, what here gets to stay because it really connects with my heart and what gets to leave because it represents the failed relationship, right? Or that he really, really doesn't love me or blah, whatever, right? Or that he betrayed me or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Well, and I would also add that in uh, my journey anyway, I had to let go of things that I actually loved. And that's kind of this area that isn't always talked about. And, and yet it, it, it's important that I touch on that because if you're, if you're really committed, there are these you know, <laughs> corner moments that, oh gosh, moving and it's just not gonna go on the truck. Or you go from a 3000 square foot home to that after the marriage ends to that, um, you know, 1100 or 900 square foot home, that's you and your dog. And you went from a family of four and two dogs and now it's you and a dog making a grocery list for one. Yeah. And you have to let go. You just have, cause there's no, there's no place to put this beloved whatever. <laughs> Um, picture, um, flower pot. <laughs> I just, I mean, y- you name it, right? Maybe even a, maybe even some dishes. Uh, yeah, it's a clothing. What you know, like whatever. And and that that again is some really really brave work. So there's like the letting. So yeah. So what, so I meant it when I said 
a lot of my life has been about letting go. <laughs> yeah, two, two, whole, two entire families that, you know, one that I walked away from and then one that walked away from me, even though the marriage ended, I hadn't anticipated because there were kids involved that, but that was their choice and okay. And I, but I, ha and I had to grieve that and, and let go of the belongings associated with, with all of that because it was just too hard. It was just too hard to have something go forward in my life from people who basically rejected me, you know, said, you know what, yep, you're out of the family. <laughs> so, yeah, very intense. It can be. It can be. It can be. <laughs> but it also, but it's like I found myself and look where I live now. And oh my gosh, the kind of, the, the freedom I have and the life I have. So not to like leave people like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally worth it. But I think that you have a, when you go through this type of work physically and, and then you realize it's very emotional, you have moments of resistance for me it was cyclical like it was good it was good it was good it was not good yeah yep and then you have to pause and go wait okay so what's happening in this situation that's giving me such resistance and sometimes you know and sometimes you don't know but i i think that those moments of resistance when you know to expect them and they come you you can just slowly kindly work through them but the first couple, I wasn't slow and kind about it. I was, you know, sledgehammer like, like. <laughs> okay, so for me, in my mind, if if this started as a flood in your basement where you lose all this, that's kind of like the sledgehammer that gets things going. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and what's interesting is like just two months before that. It was so funny to like, like be in the place I am now and like track it back and track it back and track it back. Yeah. On New Year's Day of that exact same year, Jen, I, um, I was, well, on New Year's Eve, I was reading this book, um, Neil Donald Walsh, Conversations with God. Anyway, he was talking about unconditional love. And I had this um, epiphany about these gifts that I had received from my parents and, and at that juncture, my mom would walk into the house and scream at me, rage about the things. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know the use and care guide. Like they didn't come with use and care guide. Like if they weren't out where she thought they needed to be placed, if I wasn't using them or, you know, like where, where were they or, you know, God forbid I let them go. And all of a sudden it hit me, oh my God, every one of those gifts were, were not given unconditionally. They, they came with a noose around my, my neck. And when I had that awakening, the very next morning, I, I went through the house like, a, like a, <laughs> a tornado, gathering up every single item I could think of that had been gifted to me from my parents. And I loaded it up in the minivan and I wrote this beautiful gratitude letter. Thank you so much for all of these belongings. I no longer need them. I realized they were not given unconditionally. And I thank you for, you know, the generosity. Uh, Happy New Year. Love, Laura. And I literally pulled up the driveway, started unloading all these things. And, and my, my mom thought I was leaving 
my well, I did later, but she thought at that juncture that I, I was leaving my marriage and coming to move in with them. I was like, yeah, like that's going to happen. <laughs> and my dad was kind of confused, but then he, he saw that I was not going to stop, you know, unloading things out of the van and walking them up to the porch. And so then he started helping me and, uh, and then I gave them both hugs and I, and I drove away and it was such, it was a first it was a first step in what ultimately I pieced out from, from my entire family of origin when I realized the dynamics weren't ever going to alter. And it was, um, it was such a liberation. Like I never had to live with a belonging that somebody else was going to walk into my house and rage at me for that thing because I wasn't doing whatever they expected or thought I should be doing with that thing. Um, and that preceded the flood. Um, yeah, it, 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 I, I lived such a crazy experience of being asked, what, it is that, what, is it, what is it that you would like, Laura? And I would say, oh, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know, ice skates. Oh, you don't want that. You actually want this. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm just using, you know. And I would be like, well, no, you know, why do you ask? You know, I mean, the, the twisted, the mental, it was so crazy, you know. And yet then I was told I was ungrateful. That I was ungrateful. I was selfish. I, I was a worthless piece of shit. <laughs> you know, these are the kinds of things that were said to me over and over and over again, you know. And it was like this shape-shifting. I, I was split all bad. And so I became like this target of, of not, not just my mom, but there were other adults, you know, and other hard stuff that happened. But I, I somehow along that, in that world of this shape-shifting, I learned to kind of detach from belongings on some level and like stop asking or even knowing what I wanted. And it's, so it's no accident then that a couple of months later I walk in and I, 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 it, these were now hand-me-downs, not gifts, right? And they were all hand-me-downs that had nothing to do with my tastes and preferences. Like who was I? I it just, you know, you, just, you disappear. Yeah, you just, I, I just, I disappeared. I became invisible to myself. Now I, I loved parenting at the time. I was a full-time mom. I loved what I did, but all the things that I had done up to that juncture, um, and I'm proud of my PhD. I'm proud of teaching at the college, at my college that I graduated from and going back and kind of paying it forward or paying it backwards or whatever the expression is. Uh, and yet all of that was to prove to somebody else that, you know, to meet somebody else's ever-changing expectations because I was never enough. I mean, I'm standing, you know, getting my master's degree and being shamed because it wasn't the PhD, you know, that I had stopped to end the first marriage and get my personal life, which was always kind of like <laughs> in shambles, um, kind of back on track. And then I did end up returning and completing the degree, you know, the PhD, but there I was being, you know, cruelly shamed in front of my advisor who I deeply respected and I ran in the bathroom and wept. I mean, it was just so, so tough, right, to have those kinds of experiences. Um, but yeah, I, I learned, you know, just not, not, you know, to, uh, um, 
yeah, like it, the twisted world that it was. So belongings took on different meaning. Mm -hmm. And when I cleared and cleared and cleared and purged, it took me a long time to discern what I actually loved, you know, and then what I loved about myself and define my own value, you know, deep inside my heart, like inside. So that no matter what anybody outside of me ever said again, it wouldn't touch that part of me. And it took years. I mean, it, it, now that I'm in North Carolina, like these last two years, it'll be two years in June, have been the safest I've ever felt in my whole life. Like no toxic people or difficult, challenging, tortured souls coming and going, ah, <laughs> you know. And well, and I had to clean up my own self right? Because I started engaging in some of those because there was just so much trauma and where was it going to go, right? And if you don't know, kind of like I was able to identify, I could describe it intellectually, um, but I wasn't able to interrupt the, tr the, the trigger, the, my body, bleh, <laughs> you know, and my kids were little at the time. So I, I went to work at, on, on that. Um, let's go back in time let's get the yeah yeah absolutely to tie it all together and i know i'm gonna have questions yeah oh please god because we are we already know there were issues with mom and dad and stuff so let's uh let's dive into that where kind of this started uh well for me i i would claim that it started at at, at birth basically um I, so I learned the story later, but I have a I have a bald spot on the top of my head, and I was in the crib, and I, as my mom told the story, she told it so dispassionately. I rolled as a, as a six month old baby into the path of a hot steam dehumidifier uh, humidifier because I had a cold, and my sister just kept telling my mom she's crying, you know, Lori's crying. That's what was my nickname. I was a little um, infant. And Lori's crying, like, oh no, just let her cry it out, you know, whatever, it's no big deal. Well, finally they 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 found me and um, you know, I had a bandage, I guess, but I was crawling around. The she she would laugh and say, Gosh, we needed to put a helmet on you. And you know, and and it took me a while to recognize that she was actually blaming <laughs> an infant for rolling in the pathway of the hot steam, like what? <laughs> so I would say that the difficult started pretty much out of the womb. Um, yeah, and my, my, my dad did his best to love me. He, he actually, he and his mom were lifelines in, in my life. But um, yeah, so some, it, it was always scary. She was very unpredictable. There was no alcohol ever. So it was the shape-shifting and know that she was known in the community. She was beloved. She was a beloved teacher. I would go to the fair and the little children would run up to her and be like, oh, you know, Mrs. Staley, Mrs. Staley. And they'd give her this big hug and she'd hug them. And I'd be watching this going, holy hell, right? And so it was crazy, right? Because it was like, it had to be me. It had to be me. It just had to be me that brought out this horrible person who would be so cruel and say awful things. So there was the annihilating rage and then there was the rat-a-tat-tat. But then there were these other adults. Um, the first piano teacher I had, 
um, you know, took out the ruler and whacked the palms of my hand, you know, and then I'd go back and my mom would scream at me about, you're never going to play like your sister and, you know, curl your fingers and practice and, you know, and, and she would attack me with all these berating words and I'd be sitting there like, really? You know, I, I burst into tears. It was like impossible to learn how to play the piano when you're being verbally berated and demeaned. Um, yeah, so those early memories were, were rough. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel safe at church. I didn't feel safe at school. There were children bullies. Um, paddling was big back in the day and it terrified me all of it all of it just terrified me so I lived kind of terrified traumatized but I did um find that I could um I was a student like I was a really really good student and there was this part of me so wanting to be good right and, and prove to her that I was a really sweet good person and if oh god if only today and literally I'm 42 years old when I finally, finally realized that there was nothing I could do to alter my mom's internal world and perception of me ever, ever, ever. It was an impossible situation. And, and of course, it took all kinds of, you know, things to get me to that juncture where I was like, okay, peace, peace out. And then the dynamics, because then my my siblings would would buy in. My my brother was split all good, so he was treated like the angel child in the family. And then my sister would often mimic my mom. So it was just really really hard because she she learned that's how to cope, right, in this crazy household. And yet outside the home, our family was perceived as just like oh this you know, the Staley's, oh, what beautiful people, they're kind, they're compassionate, they care, they're involved, they're, you know, and my dad was an exceptional human being, and he did give a lot to the community, but behind closed doors, and that's what's so painful about this story, is behind closed doors, it was a nightmare for me, just a nightmare that nobody was willing to talk about, lift the veil on, um, or, you know, uh, deal with. And uh, yeah, so, her, uh, uh, but, but, I, but I learned, I learned to pay attention. It was kind of like I had Navy, Navy SEAL-like training in the shape-shifting, right? That part, that little piece that I've read about, I, I mean, I, oh my God, I honor, you know, all, service people and you know all of that this means no disrespect but as a child they had to learn how to navigate a shape-shifting adult and not just not just my mom but was sexually abused at three years old by a stranger who threatened my life and my best friend um, and then nine by a family member and then I'm, I'm, I lose my virginity to rape at 19 years old. So all these layered traumas, right? So I have the kind of the daily experience in the household, but then I go out in the world and I'm having these additional layered um, experiences. To, so to begin to unpack that is just like, <sighs> so it's no, right? So it's no wonder that, and well, and keep in mind that people who knew me, right? I was a good student, straight A's. I swam, I, I got trophies on the swim team. 
you know, middle class, my dad's a college professor, you know, like we appear to be like this all to, like I had it all together, right? Like I have it all together and I'm charging forward and now I'm gonna be in graduate school and I'm earning a PhD and still proving, proving. I wanted to earn the right to exist. I felt like I had to earn my right to exist, not just to, because I, some part of me knew that I wasn't, excuse me, but you said it was okay to cuss, fucking ever going to belong. Like I was fucking never going to belong. Well, I'm can I just, right? Can I just, is it okay if I exist and breathe the air and take up space, right? In, in this crazy world, right? Because it often felt like I would show up and it would be like, oh my God, you're here again, Rah! you know, and it was like, you know, and I've realized that that kind of reaction is like they, those, the, the person in that trauma state or whatever, they actually feel threatened for their lives, you know, but here I am this little kid or this, you know, graduate, of, you know, with a PhD, you know, and it, it didn't matter, you know, it didn't matter how perfect I was. You know, and I, I worked at being so perfect. Like if I say it this way, if I speak just so eloquently, if I speak from my heart, she'll hear me. If I wear the right clothes, she'll hear me, she'll see me, she'll accept me, she'll love me. And who doesn't want to be loved and accepted by their own mom, let alone, you know, other people, right? And I know that is a place deep inside of me that, you know, I get to take all those young ones, you know, and just hold them on my lap and go, I love you. I love you. God loves you. Universe loves you. Big love loves you. Whatever we want to call that big spirit loves you. And that deep, quiet one inside that I've gained from meditation loves you. Um, yeah. So in graduate school, I wanted to kill myself. And I, I knew I wouldn't, but I had, I started having images of, you know, gun held to my head. And that's when I began uh, uh, talk therapy. Um, but, you know, what's amazing is the stories of the encounters with my, my mom especially, but that they, be, they were just a teen, you know, and, and my dad was just a complicit, he loved my mom. It, they, they really did love each other. And he was just kind of a silent partner if that makes sense to you. And, and I know he chose, he threw me under the bus in my twenties. Um, any rate, but they would show up. They, they still couldn't maintain the boundaries. Even when I was like, peace out, they still showed up. They kept showing up. They kept showing up. My daughter screaming in my arms. And I had said, please call before you come. It may not be a good time. As my first child, I'm terrified, right? I'm like a mom and I knew I needed to change patterns, but they show up. I said, I'm sorry, it's not a good time. She's screaming in my arms. And then my mom starts screaming at me. And I just closed the door and chose my wailing infant daughter. And I, I think for a while I chose my kids. I didn't want them to see me abused. I didn't want them to be abused, right? And then eventually I chose myself. I think that's very common. Yeah, where you choose your kids. Yeah. You yeah, I just, I chose my kids and I knew I had deep, deep work. I had deep work to, to do to break the ancestral, these, these patterns. 
and I had a lot of love because I dreamed as a little girl of being a mom. I mean, it was such a, it was such a passion for me. I, and I was blessed to be a full-time mom for a number of years before I, before I created, um, you know, Cherish Your World and took it on as a, as a, a part-time business, very part-time. And then, you know, when my life really imploded again, <laughs> um, you know, just a, a few years ago, when the marriage ended after 22 years, um, then I went full out. Um, I mean, now that's a whole other, like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there's been so many. Oh my God. I have friends who are like, oh my God, Laura, you can put sentences together. How do you do that? You've lived through so much. But I can, and I and know that I'm, you know, like I'm really blessed and I'm grateful. And, uh, and my mom has passed. My dad has passed. She passed six days before um, Live Inspired launched, which I thought, wow, isn't that divine choreography? You grew up without any place being safe. There nature, nature, oh. nature, being out in nature. Yeah. And friends' homes. I was it. But that was when I was older. And, and even then it was dicey. Like I always had to get permission, of course. Of course. <sighs> and swimming, you know, swimming in the swimming pool. Right. And then there would be these summers that my mother drove all the way to Columbus, another community, um, you know, 30, 40 miles away. And wow, you know, I mean, I knew to be responsible and do all the chores and clean everything, you know, clean the bathtubs and, you know, before she got home. But, but there was this a little bit of breathing room in the summertime and, and my brother and I would get on our bikes and bike to the, to the swimming pool where my family had gotten a membership. And this is where, you know, my dad, you know, the biking, the swimming, he was a, a triathlete, an extraordinary triathlete. He actually competed in the Ironman twice in his 60s. He finished the second time. He was like a mile or two away the first time he did it. But yeah, the safe places were the swimming pool, um, nature, just being outside and um, at my friends' houses, but nowhere else was safe. I, I did not experience safety in any of those other containers, yeah. Now you went to get your degree and at some point in here you got married and started having kids. I wanna talk a little bit more, I understand the, desire to check out which is a lot of what suicide is but the kind of knowing that you probably wouldn't fall follow through with it but that started you on your initial talk therapy can we jump into kind of that space oh sure um yeah i mean i think the inner bully that's what i've called it got so loud and and i i just i could i couldn't hold it together any longer i really and I know it was so, I mean, I was shaking when I shared, when I showed up for that first therapy appointment because I was breaking the code, right? What happens in this house stays in this house and the whole pretense, right? Because we were, you know, the family, whatever, you know, perceived on the outside world. And here I was going to go to this stranger and start unpacking some of, some of these uh, challenges but it was so affirming because what I started to distinguish, and I'm, I'm so academic, right? <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that, that, I mean, you know, grace of God, there are these aspects of, um, 
sorry, of who I am that have absolutely served me and helped me stay alive and, and thrive. But, um, you know, books, I loved books. I jumped right in, the self-help, you know, all that. And he started saying, you know, look, this is, you know, this, this is a really challenging situation. A lot of what's going on in between your ears is what's been said to you. It's known as an interject. It's the things that have been said to you that now you're playing internally on that tape, the loop tape, and none of it's true. None of it's true. You're not a worthless piece of shit. You're not, the, you're not this. You're not that. You're not incompetent. You're not irresponsible. You're not an ungrateful shithead, you know, and, um, so I began unpacking on an intellectual level, but it wasn't until I had kids, Jen, mm -hmm. that I realized that I could only go so far with this, right? And I got into transformational trainings, which were really helpful. What are you pretending? What's the cost? What's the benefit? What do you get out of pretending this or that and the other thing? And then that's when I identified, oh my God, I have this rage. And I behaved so badly in, in front of these two little kids. Now, I wasn't calling them names, but I would literally flip out. I'd be just like, ah! And, you know, and I finally, you know, like my then husband at the time was like, you're terrifying the kids and you're kind of scaring me. And I was like, what? They need to, you know, and I was like defensive and they need to see what rage looks like or anger looks like and blah, blah, blah. But then again, I was like, I was reading and I was like starting to make connect dots. And then I tracked myself in one of these episodes and the veil lifted and I saw, I saw the terrified faces of these two sweet little kids frozen in front of, in front of me and the shame just washed over me and I ran into the bedroom and, and wept and wept and wept and the very next day I called a body therapist who understood, you know, trauma, um, you know, there was both the somatic trauma resolution and the craniosacral. And um, because the traumas were lodged in my body, in the nervous system. And I wasn't gonna affirm my way out of all those internal triggers. And in that, in that work, I began to be able to clip the wire, like I would feel the sensations in my body of what trip you know like because i would get overstimulated the little kids are a lot a lot a lot and if anybody's a full-time mom out there i'm like oh, oh i mean i'm just i'm in awe of moms and dads you know like full-time parents because i think it's the hardest job in the world they don't come with they don't come with um manuals right and every child is so different right but they're they're not emotionally regulated right they're trying to they're trying to figure themselves out right and here then i'm like this acting like this crazy woman and so um i learned to start to track my body i learned to spot the triggers i learned to um you know say to my kids mom's got mommy's got to take a break and I would go in the bedroom and I would scream into the pillows and into the bed and cuss, you know, up a storm. And the F word was forbidden in my family's home. So I was like, <laughs> you know, and I didn't, I didn't want to direct that kind of energy at my kids for one more moment. And it, it got to the place where I just could quietly 
um, set them down because I would feel the twinge in my gut is where it would start for me. And then I would just say, guys, I'm going to go take a time out. I was putting myself in time out. And I would go in and meditate. That's when meditation started to be a practice for me when my kids were really, really little. And I, and I kind of dabbled in it. But, it would, but know that the, the process for me has been long and rigorous and sometimes felt like walking over broken glass, honestly. Because I, uh, I, I, ha I had to own and look at, not relive, but look at every single thing that had happened to me that had created this, you know, um, persistent trauma, traumatic stress or PTSD, right? I, well, for me, I would describe it as persistent because I felt stalked by my mom. I mean, I did it. I just did. <laughs> and there were times that I intuitively would know, oh my God, she's coming over here today. And, um, and I would get in my car and, and the kids would be at school and I would just get in my car and, and drive, you know, like I would go anywhere. And, and then sure enough, there would be this package, you know, on the doorstep that beautifully wrapped with crap inside, you know, junk from their basement, you know, with this weird note. I mean, it was so, oh God, Jen, really, I, you know, like it, it's so, it's so strange to say these things out loud because it's like, who, but I do have, you know, the good news is I do have people who, be who believe me. <laughs> and I had my kids as witnesses because they were older when some of these things happened. You know, my brother, my, my son's 13th birthday and he's literally getting broken toys that my mom had put in a brand new bag. He's 13 broken toys from my childhood house basement. And then a picture of him when he was a baby and um, a broken sun catcher, like cracked. What? Right. <laughs> and of course, there's this part of me, right? That I had a moment, just like I did as a little girl, that I got excited because I saw the brand new helium balloons attached to the brand new beautiful bag, thinking, oh my God, okay, my mom effed with me, but she's not gonna eff with my kids. And, that, and then I was like, oh, that so wasn't true, because here we are. How cruel. So you- Oh my God, so like it was intentionally cruel. <laughs> you know, I mean like she was, she was crazy, but she was smart crazy, if that makes sense to you. I, you know, I don't, I, you know, there's things about this that I probably never understand. And I've read a lot, a lot. There's a lot out there um, about what my mom, you know, uh, was tortured by. Yeah. You, you started getting body work done. You had done talk therapy. You're putting yourself in timeout. You're starting to unpack this a little bit at a time. Right. Let's, um, Let's go into the marriage ending and the launching of Cherish Your World. Sure. Uh, wow. Okay. So I've, I've, I've broken ties. I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger inside. I've done doing all this body work. I now understand. I've pieced out with my family of origin. And then I see that the marriage just, whoa, no, it's a no-go. But no, so I, there was a, <laughs> it was wild, the convergence again. 
Um, so on the morning that my daughter is to be driven off for her freshman year, starting freshman year of college, um, another implode comes. There's this discovery of things about her, her dad, and I was done. I, I mean, I had seen, and I knew, you know, and I was getting stronger and stronger and more courageous and more courageous. And so I ended up driving my daughter um, to her first day of college. Um, at the same time, it turns out that my, my son was struggling with the addiction. And I didn't know if I needed a survival job. I just went, it just started this whole life implode of, of okay, now, you know, and I didn't, I asked him to leave the house. And I started um, thinking, okay, do I need a survival job? Uh, I started professional networking. And there was a moment that I, I would go to these networking events and, you know, put on my professional clothes. And in the meantime, again, my personal life is just like, you know, son is doing his thing and, you know, there's all the paperwork to, to be processing and court dates and blah, blah, blah. And uh, there was a gentleman who um, looked at me because I kept, I kept being so passionate, right? <laughs> I would introduce myself and I'd be like, oh, you know, cheers your world, blah, 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 you know, and, you know, this and that and, you know, this whole passion that I had discovered 10 years earlier. And, um, and then this gentleman who facilitated that particular group one day, I was trying to put together my LinkedIn file and he looked at me and he goes, you know, Laura, this is your passion. Is, you need to do, you need to be the founder of Cherish Your World. You need to do this. This is what is aligned with your heart and soul. And um, it's like that moment, right? That somebody sees you and feels the energy of your goodness and the potential and the gifts and um, that deep acceptance, right? And at that moment, I chose to go all in for Cherish the World. And I asked him about, a, um, you know, a web designer and had sold the, you know, I think at that point I, I was close to selling the house or whatever, but, you know, got, got some money, was able to put a down payment on the smaller house that, you know, thousand square foot house. But then I, I had these, some resources from the sale of the, you know, the big family house and was so blessed by that, that I got to um, go all in, heart, mind, body, soul. And, and it, so that was like 2015 that I declared I'm all in for Cherish Your World. And then in 2016, this book came out, the stories I had been writing for a while. And then uh, um, I think it was two years later in 2018, this one came out. And then of course in 2020, Live Inspired. And the, the, the multidimensional healing and transformations have been extraordinary. Like who I become in the midst of all of those things, right? All of those experiences. Um, you know, I've learned to, I've learned to deep listen. I, I, I've learned to have compassion for people. Uh, I've learned when people are behaving, adults are like crazy with their kids. I go, that's me. I'm not judging them. 
I've learned non-judgment and to really, really hold space for people uh, and the privilege of living a life of greater peace from meditation, gratitude, running, cycling, continuing, you know, tune-ups, right, for the, for the, um, any other things that need to fall away. And there's been a lot of uncoiling in the last two years of all this safety. Uh, it's really been an extraordinary experience. And I, and I love Cherish Your World because I feel like that I, I'm become the change I want to see in the world, Jen. I'm become the change that I want to see in the world. Meaning I have compassion. I, I have wisdom, some wisdom. And I can listen and honor people's tastes and preferences because I know what it feels like to not have your tastes and preferences honored, to not have your own voice heard and seen and valued. So the, the deep commitment I am to hear, see, and value other people is huge. And it's not about our packaging. You know, like see people beyond the packaging. And I can do that. I can do that. I can do that for myself as, you know, the wrinkles and the grays come in. I don't care because it's about heart. It's about our hearts, Jen. Absolutely. Right? And it's about bringing that heart and keeping it open for uh, other human beings and what they're navigating because you just don't know what another human being is navigating until you know until they're brave enough to tell you the truth well and you you know what it's like to have to unpack all that and attach that to your belongings and not not only not be seen but have no idea what your preferences are yeah right Right, right. <laughs> like, what do I love? I don't know. <laughs> do I like chocolate ice cream or vanilla? I don't, you know, like, that you're right, it's a mystery. <laughs> Actually, I do, I do know that one now. <laughs> it's vanilla. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. <laughs> ice cream, so there you, there you go. I just well, yeah, actually, I, I haven't had ice cream in, in uh, three years. <laughs> yeah. But really, because you had to unpack all of that, and it was so attached to your physical belongings in a very dysfunctional way, <sighs> and so much so that you didn't you you didn't even realize this dysfunction of your own marriage, right? But thankfully, right. you saw in yourself the things that you wanted to make changes on, and that was eventually, yeah. essentially, the most important part. Right. Thank you. I had to come home to my own soul. I absolutely had to come home to this right here. That's all I could do. That's all I could do. It was none of my business. Any whatever out here, whoever, whatever. I'm like, I'm not responsible for somebody else's words, actions. I'm just not their internal world, their happiness. Oh God, peace out, peace out, peace out, peace out. Only responsible for right here. I said. Laura, thank you so much for being on and for sharing. I yeah. appreciate you so much. 
Oh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the, the deep listening that you provided and the space that you held for me to <laughs> go on all those, all the, to, to all those places. So thank you from my heart, my heart to yours, really. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining today. It's been a pleasure. You can find me at momof18.com and on social media platforms as momof18. A huge thank you to NGBN TV for sponsoring this podcast episode. Mm -hmm.